0: I don't I don't see any necessary conflict between between the two at all I mean science is a tool for investigating our world um, it operates by certain rules and using those rules mean we discover the natural laws that govern our planet and we can learn a lot about uh, the life on our planet but I don't see that there's any inherent conflict between science and and faith.
1: Hello, and thanks for joining in. I'm Jana Harmon, and you're listening to the Side B Podcast, where we listen to the other side. Side B is that side of the story that you don't usually hear. If you're a Christian, that's the side of the skeptic. If you're a skeptic, that's the side of a Christian. Oftentimes, we dismiss the other side without really listening towards understanding. One reason Christianity is often dismissed is because of the idea that Christians are not educated people, but rather stupid and superstitious and backwards. In my research, when former atheists were asked what they thought of Christians at the time of their atheism, not one person thought Christians were educated people, not one. As one person said, you just dismiss them without a hearing because it wasn't even worth thinking about. What was also surprising in my research were the number of highly educated people who came to believe that Christianity was, at the end of the day, the most compelling true view of reality. Not only was it substantively true in their observations of the world, It was existentially true in answering the big questions of their lives. Once they were open to investigate the truth of the Christian worldview and the person of Jesus who is truth, they were drawn as thinking persons to the worldview that not only made the most sense, but gave them the most extraordinary and abundant lives. That's the purpose of the Side B podcast to hopefully interest you into listening to ideas and perspectives you may not have heard. For the Christians, it's to help you understand the lives and perspectives of skeptics and the various reasons they may push away from God. And for skeptics, it's to help you see how and why intelligent, thinking people may actually turn from disbelief to belief in God. Today, we'll be hearing from Bruce Blackshaw, he was a former atheist, now a Christian, who is a brilliant academic, who studies and writes prolifically in bioethics. Welcome to the podcast, Bruce. It's so great to have you on the show.
0: Oh, Thank you for having me.
1: As we're getting started, I'd like to get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell us a, a bit about yourself, your, your background? I know you have quite an impressive academic background. Why don't we start there?
0: Um, Okay, your listeners will probably think, well, this is someone who's just spent far too much time at university. (laughs) Um, To start with, out of high school, one of my, I guess, my first loves, as it were, was mathematics. So out of high school, I did a degree in mathematics and physics and became a high school teacher and taught in high school for a few years, mainly mathematics and physics. Uh, This is in Australia. Um after probably about four or five years of that, I got, I guess, a little bit bored of teaching the same thing. And I was always interested in computing. So part time, I went back to university and studied a, a degree in computer science. And eventually, after a year or so, I grew to like that quite a lot and quit my teaching job and spent a year full-time finishing off that uh, computing degree, and then got a job in a research center at a university doing programming work. So that was, I guess, the start of my career in computing, which I've been doing for many, many years now. Um, I worked for a few years in that, and I was working in another research group in a large private uh, computer company in brisbane australia and uh i got the idea of doing a master's degree by research so i spent the next year and a half doing a master's degree in computer science kind of combining some of the research work i was doing for the company with research for the uh for the masters and so i did that for a couple of years finished that off um Had a long stretch of over a decade without any formal study. Got a bit sort of itchy feet again. It's like, what am I going to study? And I was always interested, uh, having been a Christian for quite a long time by that point, I was interested in Christian apologetics and had done a lot of reading in that area. Eventually, I came to the conclusion that to be a good Christian apologist to defend the faith as an apologist, I needed to understand philosophy better, and so for me, that meant going back to university and doing a degree in philosophy, uh, which I did from the University of London. I was in Australia at the time, but the University of London has a great international program where you can do degrees by distance, and so I spent five years in total doing my Bachelor of Arts degree in philosophy uh, through the University of London, the Birkbeck, which I really enjoyed. And towards the end of that, I started thinking, well, what what am I going to do with this? And I'd met a friend who's been interviewed on this podcast before, Daniel Roger, his name is, and we'd done a lot of talking about bioethics. And I think he and uh, another friend convinced me that I should go on. To do a PhD in bioethics. And that's what I'm doing now. Um, probably to in the last third of my PhD, and that's at the University of Birmingham in the UK.
1: Wonderful school. My alma mater. Oh, is it really? uh, Yes, yes. That's where I I received my PhD.
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Yeah, I've been on campus. I'm doing that by distance as well. Uh, I'm in Australia right now, but I actually started it while I was living in London, and I have been to the university campus a number of times now, and it's 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 a great spot. I really like it there.
1: Oh, well, good, good. I you're in good company with William Lane Craig.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, he he did his um, PhD there as well,
1: or well, one of philosophy. his PhDs. <laughs> exactly, you're right about that. So. You're obviously extremely well studied and um, continue to have, obviously, an active mind and pursuing really rich and and deep truths. Uh, Particularly, I've noticed that you have quite a resume of academic publications in the area of bioethics. So even though you're actively in a PhD program, you have published prolifically in that area. So um, just... I would say quite impressive. So, it sounds like uh, you have you're currently in Australia, right?
0: That's right. Yeah, I moved here in December last year from the United Kingdom, where I spent the previous six years.
1: And that is your home. So, why don't we kind of take your life now back towards the beginning, and because we want to understand what you're thinking was earlier in your life. Now, did you grow up in Australia?
0: I did. I did. I was born in Brisbane in Australia and mainly grew up in Australia. Interestingly, though, one of the big influences on my life was actually in the United States. Um, my parents were both uh, atheists or agnostics. that they, they don't really have any belief in God at all. Um, they're both scientists. My mother... Uh, When I was a child in in primary school, um, she did a PhD in animal behaviour and became a lecturer in animal behaviour and quite a well-known one. My father was a physiologist and he studied uh, reproduction and he worked for many, many years at the University of Queensland in Brisbane. So I come from quite an academic background and quite it's kind of been a natural thing to to go on and do more study myself just because of the example of my parents. Um, My grandfather was also an academic as well. And uh, so, yeah, there's quite a long line in my family from that regard. But my parents didn't have any belief in God and growing up, I didn't either. Uh, I naturally took the sort of view that if you can't prove it with science, then uh, then it, it's not really it's not really worth anything. And I guess one of my earlier memories in that regard was my my dad spent a sabbatical year in St Louis, Missouri, in the United States. Uh, he was at Washington University there, and um, I can remember in. So I did a year of of school in in St Louis, Missouri, uh, at a school that, uh, yeah, a school called Brentwood, in a place called Brentwood in uh, St Louis, and um, I can remember in the classroom, the teacher asking who believed in God and who didn't, and I was the only person in the class who didn't believe in God, and they asked me what I believe, and I said I believe in science, <laughs> so that's mm. one of my very, sort of earlier memories of not not, not being a believer.
1: The, the culture that you grew up in as well, beyond your family, was there any reference to Christianity in your culture or among your friends or was it?
0: uh... No, Australia is, is, is not like the United States. It's, um, I guess people worship the weather and sport and things like that. Uh, so I didn't set foot in a church in Australia until I was a teenager. Um, I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't um, do anything in in the, in that regard. Uh, it's quite quite. It was quite easy when when I grew up to completely avoid church altogether. It wasn't wasn't something that ever even occurred occurred to me to do or anyone on you would no one i knew would go to church so um so no
1: it just wasn't on the radar
0: wasn't on the radar and that's fairly normal for a lot of people in australia i think
1: so during this time where you were it just wasn't a thought for you it was totally irrelevant what what did you think god and religion and religious people what, what was that for you? Was it? What did you think it was? It
0: wasn't really anything at all. Um, I, I guess unusually I grew up without a television set, so my parents weren't keen on the kids waste, wasting their time watching TV, and so I didn't get a television set in the house until I was about 16. So I did a lot of reading, but I was a little bit ignorant in other ways that any of the more popular TV shows, um, I didn't know anything about them. Uh, so, yeah, I I didn't really have any very little thoughts about God whatsoever. Probably the only thought I remember as I was a young boy was wondering what happened when I died and thinking of the world without me in it. And I, th- I think I found that a bit of a disturbing thought that... Um, I would die, and the world would go on as if I'd never existed, and no one would really care too much. So that was probably the only thought I remember on those on those kind of lines.
1: So as you're moving along, you found yourself at church one day. This seems like there's a there's a pathway from not thinking about it at all to to being in a church building. What what happened between those two things?
0: Uh, well, when I was living in the United States um, for my dad's sabbatical year, um, one on, in the summer holidays, just to keep the kids busy, mum and dad packed us off to a vacation Bible school for a week, mm-hmm. and I—that was my first time I'd ever had ever read the Bible, had it taught, and there was something about it that really rang true to me, and I think I think from that point i guess maybe i wasn't a believer but for that point something really resonated with me and i thought this this really feels as though it's kind of true and i think in you know i was pretty young then and but i think in some way looking back i think god had his hand on me from that point in particular uh, things something changed at that point and when i came back to australia i didn't have any capacity to do anything about it i didn't even think about it but it was a couple of years later, or maybe th- three or four years later, when I started high school, um, I ended up going, there was a, a Christian group at school, which I got drawn to, I think, a little. But uh, my brother ended up going along to a youth group on Friday nights at a, at a church and when I got to high school age, I was eligible to go as well, and so not having much better to do because there wasn't really too much to entertain myself with in in Brisbane in those days. Um, I went along to youth group on Friday nights, and that was run by a church in Brisbane.
1: I'm curious what your parents thought about that at that time. Obviously, you were a high schooler and a teenager, so, but knowing that... I guess if you worshipped science in a sense, or your family did, or that was that was the the way of thinking at the time for your family, what were they were they taken aback or are disconcerted um, in any way for you going? No, to they weren't. Like this?
0: No, they they were quite happy for me to go along. I, th- I think I think they, in their view, it would keep probably keep me out of trouble as a teenager. Um, mm. And I had a sister who got into a little bit of trouble over the, during those years, the teenage years. And so, um, yeah, um, I think they just thought it was a fairly safe place for me to be.
1: I guess safe in some regards, uh, perhaps not in others in terms of the way that they were thinking. What were you hearing? Or, or was there something that was drawing you in even as you were at this youth group?
0: I think, as far as the youth group was concerned, I think, yeah, you know, I mean, God had his hand on, on, on me in a way that I look back and see now. But at the time, it was the most interesting thing going on in my life. Uh, the guys that uh, were running the youth group were very sort of outdoorsy types. So we would do interesting activities. We would have what they call car rallies where we'd race around in cars and, uh, we would do rock climbing, we'd go on hikes. And the guys who ran that youth group took a real personal interest in, in in the kids that they were looking after. And it wasn't just the youth group that they ran. They kind of involved a lot of the kids in their lives in other ways as well. So when they went out and did something like go on, go on a hike on a weekend, they would invite invite us along with them. And so... Yeah, we had some some had some really important Christian role models from that point of view who became became my friends.
1: So you were developing some meaningful relationships. It was more than just merely a social activity that you attended. You were you were developing a sense of community and friendships with some some people I guess that you like you say respected in a way that they were role models.
0: That's that's exactly right.
1: That is a really beautiful way, I guess, to show Christianity in addition to just telling you about it. So what was it about um, them or their lives that were attractive in a sense that was something different or other than perhaps what you had experienced outside the Christian community?
0: Um, They were nice guys who really cared, who really, really invested some of their life in in the kids in the youth group, including myself, and that's even today that's not that common a thing. I think.
1: Yeah, that yeah, you know, we are in such a a culture of isolation at the moment, especially with COVID. But but yeah, that, that is something quite wonderful in terms of investing in in the other and and feeling known and belonging. But I know, as again, as a thinking person that satisfies some kind of existential need in us you know that need to know and be known and and to belong but and and that's very attractive what else was were you learning about christianity that was drawing you more towards that
0: um, I think I, I was doing a bit of catch up in a way I, I knew very little about the Bible didn't really know the Bible stories or anything like that and so it was quite a long period there I was just becoming familiar with what, with what was between the covers of the Bible reading it and being taught it and I think part of, part of that was people I respected believed it they lived it um, they were very consistent in their Christian faith, and so I could see it at work in their life. And I think over time I began to think, well, this this is probably for me as well.
1: I'd like to pause our story for a moment to ask you a pivotal question. What are you reading now? If you're looking to be inspired by true stories of faithful Christ followers, if you'd like to grow deeper in your own walk with Christ, or better understand and engage in today's world, the C.S. Lewis Institute has put together a recommended reading list just for you. I hope you'll take a look at this inspired reading list. You can find it at www.cslewisinstitute.org forward slash recommended underscore reading. I do hope you'll take a look. Now back to our story. So, what were you finding in the Bible that that rang true for you? What what was it that was making sense that you felt like it was something that you wanted to adopt in your life? Was it just a moral principle? Was it something deeper, more spiritual than that? Was
0: I think it grew into something more spiritual as as the years went on, and you know, during my teenage years, and I began to to see that. I could make sense of the world through through the story that it was telling, that I could understand now why we were here, that when I died, there was actually meaning meaningful life after death as well. And yeah, it, all the pieces started to fit together in a way that, um, for the, particularly for the questions that I, I could see science couldn't answer.
1: It's often said that science and belief in God are irreconcilable, but obviously you're a scientist and a Christian. And how were you at this point in your life reconciling those two things?
0: Um, well, I should correct you that I'm not actually what I'd call a scientist. I did a, a Bachelor of Science degree, that's all. I, if anything, I'm a philosopher and a software developer not a scientist but having grown up with scientists and had a lot to do with science i guess i I do understand the scientific mindset a little um i i don't i don't see any necessary conflict between between the two at all i mean science is a tool for investigating our world um it operates by certain rules and using those rules mean we discover the natural laws that govern our planet and we can learn a lot about uh, the life on our planet, but I don't see that there's any inherent conflict between science and, and faith.
1: So that was not an issue as you were embracing this religious understanding of, of the world, that it was making sense for you, it was answering some big questions... But they were different kinds of questions than, than perhaps the the mechanics and the how as compared to the why.
0: Um, yeah, that's right. And um, one one of one of the leaders of our youth group was um, studying science at university and doing a, an honors project, a research project, which I helped him quite a bit in. It was to do with the introduction of exotic fish into local waterways and. I spent a lot of time traipsing around with him, helping him catch fish and things like that. And, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't see any conflict between what I was learning about the Bible and faith with uh, what he was doing as, as an early budding scientist.
1: And as you were reading more about the Bible and Jesus, and it was and what the Bible was saying was ringing true, it was making sense of your life and of the world in the way that you knew it and experienced it, Uh, were you questioning it at all in terms of the historical nature of the Bible? How do I know that these events are true? What about the person of Jesus? Was he a real person in historical time and space? You know, uh, was the resurrection true? Were you having any of those kinds of questions?
0: I uh, was, but um, the church I was going to at the time, uh, it's called the, the Wesleyan Church and which I, I'm no longer attending a Wesleyan Church nowadays, I go to a Baptist church, but um, in those days they had a a sort of a leader who was very, very much into Christian apologetics and there was a strong camping movement. So at Easter Uh, The local churches would go away on a a youth camp and we'd have a series of, you know, Bible teaching and things like that. And there was quite a bit of apologetics presented to us at the time. So I think as I grew up as a teenager, it was all presented to me in a way that was not anti-science, that um, clearly could reconcile science and Christianity and presented the evidence for the Christian faith. And that so that was quite a strong component of, of what I was taught. And so a lot of the questions I had were answered in that way. They were also quite uh, um, keen on training people. And so they had a, a Bible college down in Melbourne, which is quite a fair way south of, of where I lived. But They used to run summer Bible study courses, Bible college courses, and those courses were run by a lecturer in Brisbane who would present all the material. There's a lot of opportunity for question and answer, and so I used to engage in that quite a lot and uh, get my questions answered or, or raise new ones and get them discussed. So it was a very, quite an intellectual atmosphere at the time certainly a very open atmosphere to ask questions and challenge assumptions and things like that so i think that was that was really really helpful to me
1: i'm so happy to hear that you had that kind of especially as a thinking person a place and a space to study and investigate and ask questions and push back and and that you had those who could actually give some good answers and guidance to finding what was true. So as you were moving along and you're in high school and, and it's all making sense, both existentially and intellectually for you and spiritually, did you come to a place of belief at a certain moment or was it a process, uh, not a particular place in time or that you came to see that perhaps the, the Christian worldview is true, the Bible rings true, that it seemed, everything seems to come together.
0: Uh, it all yes, it all kind of came together. A friend of mine invited me along. I think when I was about fourteen or fifteen to, uh, I guess, an, an evangelistic crusade meeting, and uh, at that time he encouraged me to sort of make some kind of Christian commitment, and I felt that that was the right time to do so, and uh, so that was, I guess, a moment of decision. I don't. It didn't feel as though it made any difference to me, but I think from that point onwards, I, I took a more serious view of Christianity and became more committed to, to following, following Christ. And it, I guess at that point, I would say it was my real conversion.
1: And your parents, I'm just curious, as atheist agnostics, how did they accept your, your Christianity?
0: Uh, my parents were always very very good about that they never gave me a hard time they they just accepted that's what i believed and were never derogatory towards my faith they never they didn't encourage it particularly but they liked my friends who were christians they i guess liked that as a teenager i wasn't out um you know getting drunk or anything like that i was with I was with a clean crowd, and for them, I guess that was a good thing.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: and yeah, they, they they've always been quite supportive. Uh, it eventually, I started to do a little bit of preaching, and occasionally they would come along and and listen to it as an, an I guess an encouragement to me. So so yeah, they they never stood in my way at all.
1: That's great that you've had that kind of encouragement from your parents. You. Obviously have been pursuing Christianity since you were 14, 15 years old. Something like that How, yep. Yes, that um so and it's even influenced the direction of your life, not only in your life, as it were, in your perspectives and the way you live and the way that you think, but also academically, even now. How would you say that your your view as a Christian in the Christian worldview, has shaped your, your life and your trajectory?
0: Um, that's a good question. Certainly with what I'm doing now uh, as a PhD, uh, my PhD is in the ethics of abortion, and that's from very much a pro-life perspective. Uh, so I'm spending a great deal of time, effort, money, in developing defences that uh, are basically in favour of of abortion being immoral, something that shouldn't be done, if at all possible. And so that comes, I think, very much from a Christian perspective. I have been very pro-life for as long as I can remember, but I think my pro-life views came out of my Christian commitment. I don't remember having any views, not really one way or another, before I became a Christian, but certainly afterwards um, I saw life as something that's special, created by God, and it's important to defend that life from being unjustly ended.
1: That's wonderful that you're a champion Life and also in terms of your your life as a Christian, I imagine in Australia you're moving against the flow of culture. Do you feel the the pressure or tension of that? Is that is it difficult to live as a Christian in a predominantly secularized culture?
0: Uh, I I mean, yeah. I, I, well, certainly during. During COVID times, it's not because I hardly go out of the house. But uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of my interaction, being being a kind of computer nerd, is online. So I do engage in uh, philosophy groups with atheists quite a bit, and so that's probably my biggest, um, the biggest way I interact with people out there.
1: And in some ways, you are putting yourself on the front line, having having discussions online with those who are skeptical about the faith. And you said you you've moved into um, really study of of Christian apologetics and philosophy. Or how would you say that your Christian worldview has informed philosophy and your understanding of those bigger questions, especially even in a secular university where you're studying
0: yeah studying philosophy is interesting some people find it um, diminishes their faith Uh, some people drift away from their faith studying philosophy others don't really have a problem um I'm, i'm one of the latter i've found philosophy hasn't undermined my christian faith at all but um I think it has taught me to be more critical of some of the arguments Christians put forward, especially in apologetics, and to realize that you know some arguments are stronger than others and that the apologetics that I had practiced before I started studying philosophy was not as rigorous as it should have been. Um, there are always deeper questions to ask, and sometimes as Christians... We don't want to do the intellectual work of formulating arguments properly and deeply, and really considering what the other side might think. So, philosophy has, I think, taught me to try and be a little bit more even-handed, to consider objections to to, to things more seriously, to yeah, try and look at all sides of a question, and and not solely come at something from i guess a christian point of view but to try and understand what someone opposing that view might think the reasons why they might have for that and how reasonable those reasons might be
1: i'd like to pause for a moment and talk with you about a new resource at the cs lewis institute time and again we've all faced various difficulties it's during those times that god desires that we Humbly pray and seek His path and power. In the current challenging season that is upon all of us, the CSO's Institute has a renewed commitment to prayer. And our hope is that you will join with us. We have prepared a number of resources for you, a collection of articles, videos, recommended books on prayer, all gathered in one place. You can find them at cslewisinstitute.org forward slash season dash of dash prayer. We hope you'll take a look. Now back to our story. You are obviously a, a very intelligent, rational person and oftentimes Christianity is given the caricaturing that if you're a thinking person, that you shouldn't be a Christian, or Christians are uneducated people, but you are a living counterexample to that, do you feel a sense of, of that kind of caricaturing of Christians as unthinking, non-thinking, non-rational kind of people?
0: I think, I mean, certainly that caricature is out there. I mean, they're being part of, I guess, the worldwide philosophical community. I'm in regular contact with many Christians who are philosophers and some of them, some of them, as far as I can see, much smarter than what I am. And so uh, I think there the, the are intelligent, rational Christians out there. It's just that... Um, you know, the perhaps like like any faith, the, the, there's people who hold on to it for different reasons, and um, yeah, there's there's certainly people out there who don't want to look at the intellectual questions of faith, and the faith they have might be enough for them. Uh, and yeah, it, there's 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 all types of people out there, aren't there?
1: There sure are. In every uh, worldview, it seems like there's there are those who are more drawn towards really considering their worldview rationally, and some are not.
0: I, I think, uh, too, just from what I know of the United States is uh, politics and religion tend to get a little bit intertwined there, far more than they do in Australia or in the United Kingdom. It's quite quite normal for people to... Christians to be on either side of politics in the UK or in Australia, people don't normally feel too stigmatized by voting on, on on the the left side of politics. But in the United States, it seems to be much more polarized, and I think that kind of leads to a bit of caric- caricaturing as well, especially with you know the whole political scene there at the moment. And oh, so yes. um, that doesn't help. <laughs>
1: No, it's it sure doesn't. I really appreciate your just kind of studied, thoughtful um, sense of Christian faith that not only informs your mind, but obviously your life and the way that you approach it, the way you think about it, and and it is just a, a beautiful example. I think of all of the parts of us coming together. It infuses the entirety of of your perspective in your life, because ideas have consequences, right? And so you're a big advocate for things that are ethically good and true and beautiful, like, like life. And I love to see that. As we're wrapping up our conversation, Bruce, if someone was, say, a curious skeptic who was listening to the podcast, who didn't think that Christians could be thoughtful, or scientific, or intellectual, or they just didn't think that it was worth considering. Uh, do you have a word of advice for someone like that?
0: Well, the the internet is a wonderful thing for finding out that that's not necessarily true. Um, there is no end of resources to, to go to. Um, my personal favourite, as we've mentioned earlier, William Lane Craig as the Reasonable Faith website. He's got a huge, huge realm of material there, podcasts and articles and things like that that explore a huge range of Christian apologetics, philosophy. So that's a really good place to start. Uh, there's... Other philosophers out there and and scientists who are worth investigating. Uh, the, the fantastic thing about the internet is that all the all these these people are, are right at your fingertips. Uh, Tim Keller, you search for Tim Keller, look up some of his podcasts, uh, his his books, uh, some amazing apologetics information there. Um, who else? I mean, there's. There's there's no end of guys. John Lennox. John Lennox is you know is uh, a, a mathematician who uh, does apologetics. Uh, a guy from beautiful accent from Northern Ireland, and he's he's got some some amazing debates and, and talks you can listen to. So all all the resources are out there. Uh, go and go and check them out. Uh, See what you can find. Don't write Christianity off as in, anti-intellectual or you know not wanting to to grasp with grasp hold of difficult problems because there are Christians out there doing that hard work right now.
1: Mm. Those are excellent resources, and I'll include those in our episode notes. Uh, just some websites and things to connect with those resources. And finally, if you could speak to Christians. Um, in terms of how they approach their faith, or what you might encourage them to do in terms of strengthening their faith or their apologetic for the Christian worldview, how would you encourage them?
0: I think I'd, I'd encourage them to, to do so in a similar way to start finding out the resources that are out there, start thinking of if there's any questions they, they, they have unresolved, like the question of suffering, which is probably the most difficult question out there. Start start listening to these guys. Listen to Tim, Tim Keller's uh, talk on, on suffering and how different cultures, uh, different worldviews approach suffering and other resources out there. The, the, the answer, answers are there, and people have sought through these things. And it's really important to educate yourself on these things not only for you but uh, for the young particularly the young people in the church people in their teens and going through university apologetics isn't that big a thing in churches and young people are almost at an unprecedented rate leaving the faith as they go to university and and shortly afterwards uh, they they need these questions answered and there needs to be people in the church who are willing to to, to work with them to find those answers. And so for anyone who's not a teenager, who's a little bit older, um, think about lear- learning a, a bit of apologetics, coming to grips with these questions, not only for your own sake, but for the sake of the young people for the church in the church. And if you have children of your own, you're going to be wanting to teach those children about these answers.
1: Absolutely. Um, if you could for those who aren't familiar with the term apologetics and and there are those who are call themselves christians who really have no idea what apologetics is can you describe what that word means
0: it it, it, it sounds like it's apologizing for the faith but it's not really it really means def- defending defending your faith uh, as as the Apostle Peter meant, but having, having an answer for people who, who who ask you about your faith. If someone says, well, why do you believe? What kind of answer are you going to give them? That's probably the very first thing. If you think, wow, if someone asks me that, what am I going to say? Why, why am I a Christian? Why do I hold on to this? Why is it important to me? And we, we need to have answers to those kind of questions when people ask us. And that's what apologetics is having 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 a reason for the faith that you have.
1: Very very good. As as we're ending, Bruce, I, I just appreciate all that you have brought to this podcast today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we close? Any sure. other? Sure. Yeah,
0: thought? there there is. There is um, um, Christianity isn't just an intellectual thing to me. Um, Satisfying the intellect is extremely important, but it's also important not to let the intellect take away from your own relationship with God. And I know for me, that's always a temptation to spend too much time studying about God and the reasons for God without encountering God himself. And so mm. that's an important thing not, not to lose hold of. Uh, I Nowadays, I identify with a, a charismatic tra- tradition. I, I, I think God does miracles now, uh, he, I've, I've seen God do some amazing healings, I've seen some amazing prophecies and yeah, God, God is not just a God of the textbook or a God of the rational mind, He's, he's active in the world today and um, yeah, he's, he, he's, he's out there and we can encounter Him.
1: That's a great word. Thank you for that. And thank you for your time again, Bruce, and coming on and from all the way across the world in Australia. But you're as as clear as day. And I so appreciate, again, you're, you're spending your time with us. So thank you again.
0: Thank you very much. I enjoyed talking to you.
1: Wonderful. Thanks for tuning into the Side B podcast to hear Bruce's story. You might also want to visit his blog, Called The Philosophical Apologist, and I've included that in the episode notes for your reference, along with some other apologists that he mentioned in the show. For questions and feedback about this episode with Bruce, you can reach me by email at thesidebpodcast at cslewisinstitute.org. If you enjoyed it, subscribe and share this new podcast with your friends and social network. In the meantime, I'll be looking forward to seeing you next time where we'll be listening to the other side.